Welcome back to episode number 112 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices, guys. I really mean it. So send me comments, questions, emails. I don't care what it is. I want to know what it is because if it's bugging you, it's got to be bugging all of us. It's the only way we're going to get unified on, on how to handle some things. And I'm going to talk about one here in a little bit that um, kind of popped up and uh, is in recent news. I've been kind of avoiding real-time news just because it just annoys me anymore. But um, this, this one I happened to have when I was charting this morning, and I saw some commentators talking about it on the news. And I'll talk about that one second. But it's it's a, it's an interesting topic. I'm going to make some of my opinions and my predictions on what I think is going to happen with this and where I think this is going. And... Um, <clears throat> what I think it might mean to us as nurse practitioners. It's kind of uh, kind of interesting. I think there might be some good things here. Um, could be scary, too. You just don't know, but we'll talk about it. Um, we're at, like, 1955, maybe? I don't know. There's less than 50 left that need to hit that 2,000 mark, and my goal was to do it by the end of the year, and... Um, I think we're going to beat it, but I need your help, guys. This is all you guys. I'm really not doing Facebook that much. I mean, I'm scrolling through, but it's a lot of the same stuff over and over again, and I, I just point people to my podcast, but I'm really not even doing that much. So I, I'm relying on you guys to tell people if you see a comment or a question on Facebook or from a friend, and you know I've talked about it, and you're like, you know what, I, I, I can't remember, but I know Jeff talked about this, just point them to my show and tell them to use the search bar. That's always an option. Or, or have a PM me, and I'll, I'll go through it with them. I'll explain it to them. Um, I'm not doing legal advice unless you're in Ohio and you're paying me. So I'm getting people that are sending me emails all the time that say, hey, here's my contract. And then I say, okay, here's my service agreement. And then they like shut down and go away. And that's okay if that's what you're expecting. But I'm not giving free legal advice because I take liability. Just like when you prescribe a medicine, you better be getting paid for it because you're taking that liability. Same thing when I give legal advice. I take liability. So I need to get paid for it. I should get paid for it. It's my time to do those things. And, uh... You know, I'm happy to help. I'm giving you guys a heck of a deal. So that's just an option that you guys can do in Ohio. Outside of Ohio, eh, I talk hypotheticals. I do help people, but not um, not giving legal advice, by, but more by educating them about what the, the laws are in common law and what to look for so that they can become educated when they talk to their attorney. So that's that's kind of what I'm doing. So if you have a question and you're outside of Ohio, I'll, I'll help you somewhat, but I'm not going to give you legal advice. Don't anticipate. I'm going to tell you what to do. That's never my intent. My intent is to give you the opportunity to learn and be educated so that you can make smart choices. That's what you need. Because a lawyer's not even going to tell you what to do. They're going to present the options and you get to choose. <laughs> so it's the same thing, even if you're paying 500 bucks an hour or you ask me a hypothetical. So email me, jeff at the npdude.com. You can always give me that, that Facebook uh, PM as well. I've gotten a handful more people asking to friend request me, and I'm cool with it. I don't have a problem with it. Um, but um, just keep in mind, if you don't have something nursing in your your uh, profile, I won't accept it. So if you just randomly have a generic Facebook page, and uh, don't be offended because I'm not taking it. If you PM me and talk to me while you're doing it, then maybe I will. But um, I've just been burnt too many times already. <clears throat> Chronic attractable shirts, we talked about that last time. They are ordered. I'm waiting for them to get in. I've got a couple more people that want to purchase them. Um, I may or may not have enough out of this first run, but if I get enough for a second run, I'll definitely do it. I'm trying to do them in batches of about a dozen to two dozen. So um, if you guys are interested in a chronic intractable t-shirt, I promise I will send you what it looks like before you even remotely pay. I haven't even sent the, the payment method to do it yet, but what we're going to use is um, 
my uh, VNP dude email, but it's basically going to be a face or a um, a PayPal link to my to my email, and um, so that's how you're going to pay for it. It's going to be 25 bucks a shirt, and that's for up through extra large. If you got a double X or anything like that, it's another like two bucks, and I'll let you know what that is before we go on further. So. Um, but if you guys want a shirt, they're kind of cool. I think everybody I've shown the picture to, they're like, oh, that looks awesome. I like it. So uh, once I get one of them, I want to see you guys um, that, that get them. I want to see pictures of you guys wearing them. I want to see them posted to my Facebook page. I think it's just going to be fun. Post uh, where you are in the world and, uh, you know, just a picture of you wearing the shirt. I don't care if it's your face or not or blurred out or whatever, but something that just kind of tells me... Uh, you know, if you guys are in California, you're on the beach or something with a cool sunset and a chronic intractable shirt. I don't know. Something just cool. Something to remind me it's not going to be winter in Ohio. <laughs> if you're in Ohio and you're in, like, Parma or something, you got a foot and a half of snow. I don't want to see that. I'm good. Um, anyways, what do we want to talk about today? I got, um, I don't know. This might be a good time to redouble back a little bit because I've gotten about three or four emails in the last couple days just about how to negotiate a contract. And it's, it, everybody asks this, and it's, it's one of those things that it's so obvious to me that I don't understand the question, but it's so hard for people to understand because it can be complex. So it's difficult, I get it, I, and it's not easy because there is somewhat of an art to it because you don't want to piss people off that are on the other side because you don't want to lose the opportunity, but you also want to make sure that you're getting what your, what your value is. So a lot of it has to do with timing. And so if you go in guns a blazing with a contract and say, I'm not, you know, I'm worth more than that and blah, 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 blah. And you go in right off the bat, they're going to gloss right over you and go to the next guy. It's just the way it is. They don't have time for that. So, you know, you have to kind of be somewhat aware that, that timing is a huge factor of when you're doing a contract negotiation. You want to make sure that they're in bed enough <clears throat> with you. That you can start breaching those, those or broaching, I shouldn't say breaching, we don't want to breach, you don't even need a contract yet, but broaching the subject of, of payment and you know CMEs and things like that. So when you first interview, I don't even talk money. And I even tell them that. I say, look, I, you know what, I just want to make sure we're a good fit. Let's just get to know each other a little bit. Make sure that this even makes any sense. And then we, you know, we don't have to go down that road of, you know, maybe you feeling like you're paying too much or me feeling undervalued, we can leave on good terms if we just don't click. So I spend a lot of time with them up front. In other words, I, you know, I spend a good hour, two hours in an interview and they tell me about the company and me tell them about my background and my, you know, if they ask about my personal life, even though they're not supposed to, I'm an open book. I don't care. I'm not going to sue them for that. Um, but if, if somebody wants to know about me, I'm going to talk about me. And this is the opportunity where you, no one knows you better than you. So you don't have to like memorize things to say. You just talk about you. And if you're not a good fit there, you're not a good fit. It's going to probably not be a good fit six months in if you guys don't fit during the interview. It's probably going to be worse. So that's why I, I just, you know, can I see myself working there? Could they, do, they, do they feel like, do I feel like I could go to them with, with a major problem and not get my head bitten off? You know, is, are they so busy that they don't have time for me? Um, is HR, is their desk piled with piles and piles of just stuff? And do they look frazzled? That means they got problems. So, I mean, there's, these are things I'm just kind of keeping alert when I look at a company. So it's not as easy as negotiation. you got to look at everything else, too. So if, if I walk into a company and I know that they're, they're struggling, then, then they're not going to be able to negotiate with me as much monetarily-wise. So I'm not going to probably talk to them. 
I'm going to go in and say, look, you know, I think you're, I think it's a great opportunity and I appreciate your time, but I, I'm just not sure you can get to where I want to be. And if they say why, and then I outline all the problems that I'm seeing with it. You say, look, I see some issues over here and here. And, you know, I just, I'm, that makes me a little nervous. So my price has to go up because of that, because I don't have time to deal with that. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to forego other opportunities that are out there that pay me this, then, you know, with, with these hiccups in what might, might be happening in your organization, you know, I got to make a lot more money. And so it maybe isn't valuable enough for you. Maybe you need somebody else that doesn't recognize the, the potentials in this organization. So that's something I would do. Now, <clears throat> let's assume that everything is hunky-dory and you love them and they love you. If they like you, they're going to talk to you. They're gonna, you. You just need to talk to them. It's not rocket science. You, you have to outline what you think you're worth. In other words, how much money can you bring into the practice? So you, you start with the questions like, well, what's my expected number to bring in, you know, um, what do you anticipate I'm going to bring in money-wise for you? And start writing it down. Write, take a notebook and you write it down when you're talking to them. This is like the second or third time that you're talking to them, by the way. This isn't the first day. This is after you've kind of, you know, they've invited you to start negotiations. So then you, you write down, what's your price? What do you think I'm going to make you? Oh, 350 grand. Okay, 350 grand. All right, well, how many patients do you think that's going to be per hour? to get there. All right, what's your insurance average cost? You know, are you going to be incident two all the time? Is that really what you want to do? Is just do follow-ups. Do you have an independent thought? <laughs> you know, is, I mean, is, is, is that available to you? And, it, you know, that, that might go up too. If I'm bored out of my mind, I better make a ton of money. I'm just saying, because if I'm bored out of my mind and I'm making the same money as not being bored, guess which job I want? Not being bored. Because life's too short to sit there and be bored all the time. That doesn't mean work your butt off all the time and sweating like crazy running room to room, but you know, just having mental stimulation for me is important, but that's a, that's a personal thing. Some people are like, nope, I'm good. All I want to do is just make coin and you know, not kill myself doing it, then that might be perfectly acceptable for you. It's a personality decision. But I would, I would outline how many patients, how much, what the time is, and, and I've seen other people and uh, they, they work RVUs and that's fine. But a lot of places aren't working RVU, especially as we go into the new model of, of uh, healthcare where we're going to be quality and core measure based. It's not going to be necessarily RVU, which is production based. So I would do it by number of patients with an average of what the expected insurance reimbursement would be per patient visit. That's an easier way of doing it. RVUs get you to the same place. An outpatient RVU, one RVU of outpatient 99213 is like 0.96. So it's basically one visit is one RVU if you're averaging a 99213 and that's that if you don't know what those numbers are I've done plenty about CPT codes go back and use the, the uh, search box and you could do uh, CPT and you know there's there's a whole bunch of stuff I've done on that I've done it two or three or four times now I can't even remember but there's a ton of stuff online if you're new don't worry about CPT codes you're gonna learn it when you get out it's not that big a deal just remember it's not that big a deal But you need to know what your value is. And I tell people that all the time. you got to know what your value is. Even as a new grad, you, you don't know what your value is. So what do you do? You shorten up the contract term and you say, we're going to reevaluate what my value is to the company in like six months. And that might not be long enough because you might not be credentialed everywhere. So you might not be rocking and rolling 100%. You might be only seeing 70 or 80% of the number of patients that you should because insurances aren't covering it until you get all credentialed. 
And so you, you might want to make it a year. And that depends. It just depends on what it is. Are you doing a specialty? Are you working in an ER? Are you working in a hospital setting? It really, really depends. So that's a, a big factor that you need to look at is what's your value? How do you calculate it? And uh, it's not really that hard to do. You just find out how many patients you're doing. You ask them what their insurance reimbursements typically are for that patient. And you do the math. Well, you want me to see 15 people a day at 75 bucks per visit. All right, do the math. That's so many visits a week. How many days a week do you want me here? Five, okay, five days a week, bam, done. How many weeks, somebody vacation, what's your CME time off? Okay, you can come up with a, a value in that is anticipated for you. And is it attainable? That's another question that you can ask too, is you know, how many people do you expect for me to see? I mean, I've had people contact me saying, look, my contract says that I need to see 20 people a day, but there's physically no way that I can get. I'm only getting eight or 10 people a day. Well, then your value may not be there. I would calculate, I would be nervous. I'd calculate how many people I'm seeing currently and come up with my value based upon the insurance reimbursements that, that you're getting. Call your billing person and say, look, how much do we get for this visit from this insurance? Give me a list of them so that you can do your math and come up with your value. And if your value is not two to two and a half times what you make, you're not making the company that much money. Two, 2.0 multiplier is you're like break even making them a little bit of money. So if you're making 100 grand, you better be bringing in at least 200 to justify your existence. And it's probably more like 250 to 300 is where they want you because they want to make profit off you. Otherwise, the only benefit to them is that you're seeing their patients and, and taking some workload off them. And that may be valuable enough for them. So you might be making a, a provider or a physician in the practice, making their job easier, and that could have value. So keep that in mind as well. So if you're freeing up a physician to go do surgeries, where surgeries pay 10 times more than an office visit, then maybe it's worth it. So you're freeing them up to go do something else where they make a ton more money. That is value. You add that into the value cost. So maybe you only make them, you, you break even. But you're freeing them up to make another two, three, four $400,000 a year. There's no reason you can't share in some of those spoils. So there's two types of negotiations that I see. There's the initial negotiation, which everybody wants to talk about. And then there's the renegotiation, which half the other people want to talk about and so there's a lot of different different ways of doing it if you know your value if you're working there now it's easy you can look back what you did the last year and you can come up with numbers and you need to get reports and if they say oh well we don't give those out to providers well if they're billing under your mpi number you go to the hr and say look or your billing person says, look it's my mpi number give me my damn numbers <laughs> and sorry i'm making work for you but i need to see how productive i am and it's like clicking a button it shouldn't be very difficult for them to be able to do that out of the billing software they should have some tracking system of how productive you are, what your num numbers are coming in. Number of, of 99213s or 99214s per month that you bill and what the average number is per billing and all that stuff. They got it all. How many insurance plans you're, you're on, number of, you know, how much percentage is one insurance versus another insurance. You can estimate that stuff. It's going to get your ballpark close. You don't need exact numbers. You can go with ballparks. It's close enough. So if you're working already, it's easy. It's so easy. I don't know why it's a big deal for people to not know their value if they've been working. You need to just, you have to take the energy to do it. That's the biggest problem is it takes time. But how else are you going to, you know, people want to bitch and complain about not getting paid well, but yet they don't want to take the time to actually figure out what they're worth. Go figure out what you're worth. And, and as soon as you do that, 
and the, the, the it's the veil, it's the curtain, right? It's uh, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, the Oz thing. As soon as you do that, it, ooh, something just thumped up and off the road. What the hell was that? That was a loud thump. Did you guys hear that? I didn't see anything. Hopefully, it wasn't part of my car. That would suck. Maybe I lost part of my car, little Ohio. <laughs> it seems like it's rolling. Nothing's flashing on the dashboard. We're good. That's how I work it. So, um, I get distracted easily. I need to start taking some Concerta. <clears throat> so you got to learn your value. That's the, the big picture. If you're ex in existence already, you just got to suck it up and take the time to do it and learn about it. And the more you learn about it, the higher your, your value is, the higher the value is, the more that, that your employer, that's what I was going with the Oz thing, right? So if you, if you pull the curtain back and you show that you understand what you're bringing into the company, it's really hard for the other side of the negotiation to say, no, you're not worth that. Now, they may say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and get rid of you and get somebody else, but they're not going to say that to you because they need you until they find somebody else. But if you're rocking and rolling and you're doing a good job and you got the right attitude and you're making them a ton of money, it's in their best interest to keep you happy. You have some negotiation power at this point. The second type of negotiation is when you're brand spanking new. You've got zero negotiation power. You really don't. Because they don't know if you're going to be productive. They're going to have to teach you. You need trained. You, you know, you might be a turd. You might be the best person. You know, so the, so the best situation is you do a good clinical site and you try to work there. Because they learn who you are. And you can walk in knowing what to do. Some of that training is already done. And you have some value that's already behind you because you understand how they do things. So in those circumstances, you can walk in and have a little bit more, more negotiation power. If you walk into a hospital and you've never worked there and say, I want to work in your ER, I'm acute care, I've got my you know, NP license ready to rock and roll, I can prescribe everything, and you say, I'm ready to go, you know what they're going to do? They're going to give you a form contract because that's what HR does. They're quasi-governmental. They're not going to think real hard. They're going to give you the basic contract that they gave the last 10 NPs. And you know how much negotiation power they're going to have? Very little. The main main things in the contract unless they really don't mean what they say in the agreement and that happens all the time though that that can that can happen they, they don't mean something it just carries over and nobody catches it and finally a lawyer looks at the agreement and says yeah we're not going to do that that's not a good plan and then they point it out to the the potential employer and they oh crap yeah we didn't really mean that <laughs> and then they change it that happens all the time but if the material provisions of the contract pay vacation time um, reimbursements for CME, CME time, all that stuff. That's the main stuff that's negotiable. The rest of it, like restrictive covenants, you really don't usually have a lot of negotiation power with like getting rid of a, a non-compete provision in a contract with a hospital because they got 10 people right behind you that are willing to sign that deal. They just do. They take it or leave it. And usually you don't make as much in a hospital system. Now, I know John Canyon did his thing about RVUs and doing that. That's different, dude. That's like doing locums work. That's because they're in a bind and they need to fill a space. But if you're looking for a general employment contract where you're going to be an employee that's working there, you don't have a whole hell of a lot of negotiation power. Now, if you're filling the locums and it's only for a couple months and then you move on to somewhere else, yeah, you can negotiate the hell out of that. 200 an hour, sure. Not a problem. Because they, you got them by the short hairs. They don't know what they, they, they have no choice. Somebody's going on maternity leave. Somebody just left. They got to get somebody in there. They got to get them going quick. You could start tomorrow. I mean, that, that's all value. 
One of the best advice that I heard when I was doing negotiations in engineering world, these are big contracts, by the way. These were way more than what you can imagine. Multi, 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 tens of millions of dollars of contracts. There was a, a triangle. And somebody posted this on Facebook. One of my engineering buddies posted it just recently. And, and um, it was different. It was like switches. But it's the same concept. I always thought of it as a triangle. There's three things that you look at when you're negotiating. You can have two of the three things at any one given time, but you can't have all three. It just never works out that way. So as a consultant, here's what I tell people. You can, you can have it fast, you can have it good, or you can have it cheap. You can have two of those three, and you can work through those all the way. If you want good and fast, it's going to be expensive as hell. If you want it cheap and fast, it's going to be garbage. It's not going to be good quality. So if you if you want it fast and good, that's where you guys want to be, right? Fast and good. That's gets you the most amount of money. So you can go through all three of those and, and pair them up two by two. And it makes perfect sense to me. It's always made perfect sense. And it's always been the driver of how I look at my negotiations. So if I go into a company and they say, you know what? Uh, I know the family practice down the street says, you know, you only need to see 15 people a day, and I want you to see 22. Okay, so you want me to be fast. All right. Do you want me to be good, or do you want me to just be fast? Because my my character trait is that I'm going to be at the top quality that I can be for my profession at all times. Now, whether I meet that threshold or not is subject to, you know, someone else's decisions or, or viewpoint. But in my viewpoint, I try to do the very best I can with quality all the time. So if you want me to be fast, I'm already giving you good. It's not going to be cheap. And you go the other way. Well, I only need to see 10 people a day. So you don't want me to be fast. I'm always going to be good. So I'm not going to be as expensive. So I'm going to be out at 4 o'clock. I'm going to have time to pick up a second job or maybe do some some, uh, clinical precepting jobs or something like that on the side. Do some online teaching or, you know, whatever. For me, it would be more contract reviews or just having time with my family. So I may say, you know what, I'll take a lower pay because it's not as stressful and there's less of it. Now, I would negotiate it this way. I would say, okay, you want me to see 10 people? That's fine, but my schedule is going to be 8 to 4. It's not going to be 8 to eight to 5, or it's going to be 8 to uh, noon or 1. It's going to be a 4-hour day instead of an 8 or 10-hour day. Because I'm going to jam them in as fast as possible. I'll do the same amount of work that you want me to do, but I'm going to force them into good, fast, and uh, that, that will make it more valuable to me so I have more of my time. Because my time is more expensive than what they pay me. It just is. If I make, you know, I'm not going to give you my rate, but somewhere upward of $100 an hour... If I'm at home and I'm enjoying my family, my rate's 200 or 250 or 400. It's just more valuable because you only get one life. Your time's important, and it should be important to you. Man, this guy's going stupid slow. I know it's raining, buddy, but come on, you can go faster than 40. Usually do 70 through here. Come on, killing me. All right. So that's my trichotomy, if you will, of of. Um, good, fast, and cheap. And, and it's, it served me well. And, and, and I, it's a good way to go in and talk to people and say, look, you know, if you want all three of these, that's fine, but um, you're not going to get all three for the right price. You're never going to get cheap. It just doesn't work that way. And, and when people, when you say it that way and say, look, I can give you good and fast, but it ain't going to be cheap. You're, uh, 
your price is going to go up and they're going to be expecting it to be higher than somebody that's a new grad that doesn't know what they're doing that's not going to be fast or good you know those are bad situations right and I think that's where John Canyon comes in. I think, John, you do a good job with your negotiation. From what you're telling me, I, I get it, man. You're right on point. But I think that um, a, um, a new grad can't just go in and say, you know, know your value because sometimes you just don't know your value. And that's why I like saying if you're a new grad, you kind of fall in a different category. you got to evaluate what your, your worth is to that organization down the line. And you may not be valuable. You just might not. Not to your fault, but because they, you know, they ramp up you know, my first job, they ramped up to, and hired me. And they had, you know, said, oh, yeah, you're full-time. And I had, like, a day's worth of work a week. One to two days a week. And I'm like, I'm starving. There's nothing to do here. They ramped up way too fast. So it wasn't my fault. I just was no value to that organization. So I went and said, you know, I'm not going to wait around for you to say, you know what, you're not valuable. I moved on. I found a family practice that I wanted to work in. I said, look, I'm going to go do this a couple days a week. And, um... You know, if things work out, maybe maybe it'll ramp up. I don't know. I think it's ramped up now, but that's over. It was a year ago. It's, pff, I'm not waiting a year for you. I get bored easy. <laughs> Look, a bird. I'm moving on. What else about contracts? Negotiation. Hey, it's really not that hard. You, you really just have to look at what you want. I get people all the time. How should I ask about this? I don't know. How many interviews have you had? Well, I've interviewed and I went to lunch with them and I met with them and I shadowed them. I walked around. That's one of the things I always recommend too is if you think that you like someone. Now, I've gone into an interview and I've been like, you know, I'm not going to work here. I'm not going to waste their time. I'm like, thanks. You know what? I, you know, I'll give them like the, when it's appropriate to just say, okay, I think we're good. I'm, you know, well, you know, let you let me know what you think and I'll let you know if I, you know, want to come back and we'll talk. You know, we'll, we'll get in touch. And, and I walk, you know, thank them and move on. Sometimes it's just not the right fit. But, you know, sometimes you, know, you go a little bit further with it and then you're like, okay, second interview and you meet more of the people that work there, more of the providers. Maybe you're meeting the staff that time so you're not wasting all their time in the first interview. And the second time they, they bring you through, it's usually, you know, they're serious about you. You're one of two, two people maybe that they're looking at. At that time, I'll ask them, look, you know, I really want to see what you do here. So is it okay if I come and just, you know, I'll be a shadow on the wall for four hours. I'm not going to say nothing to anybody. I'm just going to follow and watch. And I, and, and I, no one's going to refuse that. If they're interested in you, they're going to, they're going to say, yeah, no problem. That sounds that's a great plan. So you go shadow them. You talk a little bit in between patients, get to know each other a little bit. You can ask some clinical questions. How do you handle that? What's that look like? You know, some good questions that you know the answers to so that you can, you can kind of steer the questions, makes it look like you're smarter than you are. So that's always a good thing. Um, you kind of seal the deal a little bit, but that gives you the opportunity to just kind of lock in, let them buy into you a little bit more before you go to that next step and start talking numbers. If they've gone that far, then you're not going to piss them off. If you say, look, you know, they go, oh, we're going to start you at 85. Nah, you know, that's really nice. Um, what's the bonus structure look like to get me closer to where I need to be? And they're like, oh, uh, we weren't thinking of a bonus structure. Well, you know, that's, that's really a subpar number. You know, you're getting top quality here, and I'm going to be rocking and rolling in a few short months, and uh, so I'll make that back for you second half of the year and then some. So um, why don't we start a little higher? And if they give reservations of why they think that they can't pay that, then you have to be open to that. Well, maybe you aren't as valuable as you think you are. And if that's the case, then you got to reevaluate what your next step is. <laughs> maybe that's not the right place. But if you're not really that valuable, and you're really only going to be bringing in $85,000 worth of you, 
then uh, I don't know if I want to work there because I want more opportunity than that. And, and I would tell him, look, you know, it's nothing personal. I really like it here. I think this would be a great place. I think it'd be interesting. I think I'd learn a ton. You guys are all great people. But, you know, if I'm going to cap out at 85 grand, that ain't what we're talking about here. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, 120, 130, 150. Uh, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm thinking more like partnership. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a rock and roll running, running with this thing. And if you can't make that happen, if there's no future there, maybe we're not the right opportunity for each other. And so um, that's that's kind of where I go with things. Now, if you have no intent of that, if 85 sounds great to you, I'm not going to fault you for it. It just depends on your market. It does bring us down, though. People that are willing to take 85 in market that's you know bringing 110. That's you guys. Are, you're kind of killing us. You guys got to be uh, you know aware of what your value is in your market because if you know in, in Northeast Ohio, if people take 85. That's not unreasonable as a new grad. I hate to say that. I really wish it wasn't that case, but it is. There's a lot of people that are willing to take that because that's kind of what we bring. Even though we bring in a lot more money than that, it's just there's other people. The market forces are at work, and you can't just say, oh, hold out. People got to eat. People got to pay their bills. So I get it, but you got to know your value, and you got to be able to pull in what you... You got to be able to produce. You can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm worth this, and then a year later, you're not bringing anything. You're going to lose your job. Anyways, next topic. I harped on that one along. But it's really not rocket science. I don't know why it's not a big a deal. Just know what you're worth. The um, thing on the news that came up this morning, and I heard about it yesterday on, on um, I don't know, what was I listening to? AM radio for a minute in the morning yesterday. Yes, I'm old. I listen to AM radio sometimes. So AM radio station had a mention about uh, CVS was buying, what is it, Aetna? I don't know, one of the big insurance companies. I think it's Aetna. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't really matter. It's the big one of the big insurance companies. But CVS, right? The drugstore company is buying the insurance company. So the big one of the biggest drugstore chains is buying one of the biggest insurance companies in the country. And... Um, so I had the news on this morning, and I was just—I I put it on Fox. I try not to listen to anything because it's, it's so one-sided. Both both sets of news, um, but I tend to listen to Fox more just because I can't stand the left side of arguments of things. But the right I can kind of tolerate because I used to be a Republican. But the, even that it drives me crazy. So I hardly ever watch news anymore. So please don't take it as I'm endorsing anything that the Fox News Channel and the Republicans say because they're just as crooked as the left. They're both just as bad as each other. But here's what was what what it was, and it wasn't a. Um, I mean, there was a political undertone. Everything that's on the news is, and it was talking about this purchase, and what it's going to do to the American public, and it was a physician, a female physician that was on that was making that was that was um, being interviewed by one of the pundits. They said, uh, "What's this going to do to your care?" Oh, this is a disaster. She goes, well, why is this a disaster? Well, you're not going to get to see your doctor anymore. She goes, what do you mean you're not going to get to see your doctor anymore? Because the insurance company is going to drive you to the minute clinics. There's stat cares and there are urgent cares that are uh, in the in the uh, CVS stores. And, and this is going to be the new model of healthcare in the future. Is that you're going to get your primary care at a minute clinic. And, um, you know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, the end of the world. And, and uh and I thought it was laughable because this physician was like, yes, you're going to be seen by a nurse or a 
um, a PA in a minute clinic, retail clinic, not a nurse practitioner, a nurse. And I, you know, okay, you know, but it was they're under they're undervaluing your your care going to a, one of these facilities in the first place, which I thought was a disservice to the to the professions. But they they were saying, oh, you're never going to see your doctor again. Never. It's never going to happen. And uh, the insurance company is going to make it this. Oh well, then the next question was, oh, what what is what about uh, your pharmacy? Are you going to be allowed to use your pharmacy? Because you have this insurance, they're going to drive you to these stat cares in the clinics in uh, the pharmacies and, and oh what what pharmacy can you use oh no they're going to send you to their pharmacy and you're going to have to pay a premium out of pocket if you don't use their pharmacy so if you go to you know CVS you do your primary care there which isn't true but that's what they're saying on the news channel and you get your prescription for Augment and if you don't want to get it at CVS and you use Rite Aid across the street you're going to pay, you know, a premium 20% higher or something, whatever, whatever they make up. This is all pure speculation by this one physician, by the way, pure speculation. And so she was doing these true and falses, you know, like it was hardcore, true, false. And so I thought it was laughable because they may drive you to this for um, primary care, like illnesses, but you don't do primary care in retail clinics. That's not what those settings are for. And this physician was completely just deceiving. <laughs> I mean, it was completely deceiving as to the you know the, the truth. You're going to see a nurse. You know, like like you're going to see an LPN or an RN to, to get medicines or something. And oh my God, I can imagine all the old people that are watching Fox saying, "Oh my God, I'm going to lose my doctor. This is a horrible deal. We need more government regulation to stop these purchases." I don't think that's at all what's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is this is this is CVS positioning themselves for single payer. And I think the health insurance industry is doing the same because the more that they have under one roof, the the more opportunity for success in transition to single payer that they have. If you're the the Walmart, imagine if the government said, "You know what? We're going to go ahead and take over grocery stores and retail stores." And we're going to take them over. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to go to the biggest guy in town that's currently has all their infrastructure in place, all of their their policies and procedures established. They're obviously the king on the block for a reason because they, you know, have this this game figured out. And they're going to just basically roll them right in and just say, you know, what, we're going to instead of taking you over, we're going to say we're going to just pay you, and you're we're going to you're going to be the middleman for selling, you know loaves of bread and beer and stuff through Walmart. That's all I go there for. <laughs> it's a bad, bad, it's a bad shopping list. I'm not trying to divulge too much, but whatever. So, <laughs> so when you, when you walk into the retail clinics that are there, you're, you're going to be seen by, you know, an NP and a PA. Fine. You're going to get your care. Yes. It's going to be good care. They're, they're capable of following the nomograms. I mean, it's not like there's, they, they tell you the procedures to do. And anytime you deviate from those, it's my understanding you have to call the collaborative anyways. So it's not like they, there's not controls there in place. But they're going to go to to CVS and to Aetna and say, look, you guys are the big boys on the block and you're doing this and you've got institutions in place. Why don't we just pay you to take over health care? And there will. And that'll be single payer. 
it's going to be it's going to be a slow transition of what it looks like but the the effect of single payer is going to be a snap of the fingers of how the money flows is going to be different but it's going to look a lot like what it does now it's just going to be who's paying the bill at first before they they have actually and then once those get run out of business because they're making too much profits the government's going to just start beating up on them and then they're going to eventually fail ayn rand <laughs> atlas shrugged anybody <laughs> read Atlas Shrugged. If you haven't read it, it's a great it's a great book. Not the best well written book, but some um, some good points to take away. <laughs> it's a great book, and so that's what's going to happen. It's going to be Atlas Shrugged, but in healthcare. But it's going to be uh, a smart move for these guys. What do I think it's going to mean for us? I think there's going to be more opportunity because it's already expected and anticipated through CVS that they hire nurses and PAs to do the, the lion's share of their care. So I think it's a great opportunity for NPs. And one of the main reasons, not, not specific this in, instance, but one, one instance of um, why I went into NP and didn't go to med school. I didn't want all the crushing debt and time involved and have to move and uh, come out and, and make very little relative to what it was a decade ago. And it's going to keep getting smaller and smaller for, for physicians, except for specialties. You're not going to go to CVS to get your cardiology, guys. And that's what this 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 person on Fox was kind of like alluding to. Oh my God, you're not going to be able to get your GI scope done at CVS. You're, you're not going to get to see your doctor anymore. Well, primary care, maybe this is a better model. I don't know. I mean, the majority of what we see in primary care is, you know, hypertension visits, diabetes checks, and things like that. Maybe that's not an inappropriate place to have that done. I don't think that you want to have nomograms for all that because everybody's different and complex. I mean, you follow the guidelines anyways as much as you can. You should better be. But um, I just thought it was funny how you know it was doom and gloom. it's another doom and gloom story, and I just roll my eyes and you know I, I'm not gonna waste any time thinking about it other than the fact that I thought it was interesting that they're being bought by, you know, these two large conglomerations or two large industries are merging. Why would you do that? There's, they're positioning for single payer. And you're going to see a lot more of that. Stay awake to it, guys. This, the faster those you see more of these happening, that means that people are talking behind the scenes with the government. This, it's, those deals are already getting worked out. How are we going to make this happen? How are we going to transition to single payer? How do these large companies not fail? Too big to fail, right? The banks got bailed out, right? GM got bailed out. All these huge bailouts. What do you think they're doing? What do you think single payer is going to be? It's going to be a bailout. We're going to transition right to it. That's what I see. It's my prediction. It's my opinion. If you want to be pissed off with me about my opinion, tell me about it. Email me, Jeff, at thenpdude.com. You can also uh, send me a note on Facebook and tell me how much I suck. I haven't heard that in a while. Somebody tell me I suck. This one's long, but it's it's just fun to me, and it's raining, and I'm stuck behind the same slow-ass person. I'm going to probably be late because this douchebag's going too slow. Country roads. Can't pass on a double yellow because I'm, I'm a rule follower. Except for speeding. I do speed. Anyways, guys, I want to hear from you. I want to know what's bugging you. Uh, email me, jeff at thempdude.com. We're so close to that 2,000 like mark. I don't know if that's a great measuring stick of, you know, how many people are watching the show or listening to the show, but um, 
that's one of the best ones I've got. So uh, tell your friends, tell your uh, colleagues at work, tell uh, students in your class if you want to uh, have a good listen uh, to something that might be interesting to you, might be helpful to you. Send them to my, to my podcast. Have them, have them t- t- take a listen. Don't forget to tell people to like the show, share the show. Give me a rating. I haven't had a rating in a while. Shoot me a rating on iTunes or on uh, Facebook. You can also use my Amazon affiliate link. That's a great way to help support the show financially. It's Christmas time. Spend your money through Amazon. I don't get a dime more. You go to my website, thenpdude.com. You click on the Amazon banner. It takes you straight to Amazon. I also posted a couple of times because people keep asking me, how do I get to your link? So I put it on my Facebook page every now and then and say, look, here's the link. I've been requested to post it. I really, truly am. I'm not trying to market for myself. People were asking. I'm not that guy. I'm really toned down about that. I don't like being in your face. So I want you guys to use the Amazon affiliate link to do your shopping. It goes to Amazon. You purchase what you are going to buy, all these awesome gifts for Christmas. It gives me a small percentage of what you purchase. It's not a huge amount of money, but when it adds up, it's going to help me pay for my web hosting for next year. And we're still not the goal. So come come end of January, my web, web hosting bill comes in. And I need some help, guys. I'm, you know, I'm purchasing T-shirts to help get things going. I'm doing some front end on this, so this, there's a cost to me to do this podcast. I got to make some money off of it enough to pay it back. I'm giving out good information. It's free to you guys. All you got to do is click on an Amazon link. You can help support the show. So go do it. No reason not to. All right, guys. I want you guys to have a great week. It's uh, Tuesday. It's rainy. Ugh. Even though it's crappy outside, have a good day. Take care of your patients. Do a good job. Be smart. Be safe. And we'll talk soon.